In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Warning, this podcast contains spoilers for The Last of Us, Episode 6. And light spoilers for Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, in our Nerd Out section. My name is Jason Concepcion. And I'm Rosie Knight. And welcome to X-Ray Vision, the crooked media podcast where we dive deep into your favorite shows, movies, comics, and pop culture. In this episode, in the airlock, we will be getting chilly in The Last of Us, episode six, heading to Wyoming. And in Nerd Out, it's a theory from listener Eli about a certain part of Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Of course, if you want to jump around, check out the timestamps in our show notes. Up next, let's go to uh, beautiful Jackson. It's that crisp, so beautiful. thin mountain air. We need to it. dive into The Last of Us, Episode 6. <laughs> Folks, we're stepping out of the airlock, and that's right. The altitude is hitting us differently now getting less oxygen, but also our red blood cell count is increasing. And that's because we're in beautiful Jackson, Wyoming for The Last of Us, Episode 6, titled Kin, written by Craig Mazin, directed by Yasmila Zabinich. Another wonderful episode, and uh, let's dive into it. Three months after Joel and Ellie escape from Kansas City, uh, we find them in Wyoming, somewhere. It is winter now. Uh, Joel and Ellie have broken into a hunting cabin, and there they briefly take an indigenous couple hostage. And I'll just say it's wonderful to see um, Elaine Miles again, who I loved yeah. in the in, in the show Northern Exposure. Two icons here, and it's really fun to see Graham Greene too. Like it's so great to see like two indigenous actors that I love. How chill they are about it. They're like, we're fine here. Don't worry about I mean, us. Elaine we, Miles, we've bringing, survived. Elaine Miles, bringing the the uh, the vibe of her character from Northern Exposure, Florence, to this episode. I will say, asterisks. I haven't seen Northern Exposure since I was a child, and I don't know if it holds up. <laughs> so if it doesn't hold up, I but you're apologize. like, I'm happy to see Elaine. <laughs> but I'm, I'm happy to, see, to Elaine. see Elaine back. Joel. Tells the couple, hey, I'm looking for my brother. Uh, He looks a lot like me. And uh, this is a really brief kind of scene. But we learn a couple of important things. One, this couple has not seen Tommy. And two, um, anywhere that people used to live in any kind of sizable population is now a no-go zone. That includes uh, former reservations. That includes small towns, et cetera. And then thirdly... If you go west of this river that's right over here, you die. You're gonna There's die. just bodies there. There You see dead infected there. You see, de- see dead people there. Whoever it is that's living on that side of the river kills everyone that crosses it. Uh, and the couple tells uh, Joel and Ellie, if your brother's west of the river, he's gone, which is not good. But you know what? I really love this 
uh, sequence, not just because two great actors, really nice character moment, this very good like representation of two people who've just survived, but it really contradicts a usual zombie movie or comic book trope. If Charles Xavier had turned up at this house <laughs> or if Rick Grimes had turned up at this house, nobody would have survived no, apart from the dead. main. We kill and everybody. I, <laughs> I love that they leave and they leave this couple to just keep surviving. That was like a nice unexpected twist in this kind of opening. I'm glad you bring that up because I also think that this is the influence of certainly Ellie, maybe even mm-hmm. Tess. This, an earlier version of Joel would have just killed everybody in the cabin. He would have been like, you haven't seen my brother? I don't believe you. Uh, time to yeah. die. And we'll kind of see how this is a big episode, which is really interesting because in a way it's a very small, intimate kind of almost like a bottle episode. But it it's is. not. It's like it's this huge character moment for Joel where we really get an expansion on his journey and and where it's left him. And we get to see something introduced here that was kind of teased in the prologue of the game that will obviously become like a major part of the story going forward. Yeah, I agree. You know, to the bottle episode part of it, this cold open, I guess you would call it kind of, is it what makes it kind of feel like a bottle is that you know, I think that there's like a way of looking at like television storytelling where you'd look at this scene and go, it kind of doesn't need to happen. You mm-hmm. learn a couple of things about the river, but you never meet these these characters end up not mattering. And you could have just like had them show up at Jackson or cross the river mm-hmm. and then get and then get taken in. But I think the thing that's cool about it is unlike other post-apocalyptic shows, zombie apocalypse shows, you're getting a you're getting a a a, a wide cross section of people who survived and the yes. different ways they survived. Yes, yes, yes. It's not just like this group of survivors and everyone else that they run into who they kill. Mm-hmm. It's all of these disparate groups spread out across the country who have been making their way in different in different you know, kind of ways, different journeys yeah. they're taking to survive. And I thought that's that a, was really cool. That's a great point. And I think it's something that got definitely like our Discord very excited because after this episode, a lot of people were talking about like, what if you did a spinoff where you saw all different people yeah. all over the country and all over the world, how they survive, which again, direct you back to Max Brooks' World War Z, which we've talked about because that's a mm-hmm. great example of it. But there is really something very special about getting to see different kinds of people survive, especially when in a lot of post-apocalyptic stories, you see one kind of person survive. You see one particular (laughs) group of people that made it. Because our Discord has been talking about uh, World War Z and because you bring it up here, it, uh, it brings the following question from World War Z to mind, which is, how does cold interact with the infected? Mm -hmm. In World War Z... Just to, uh, for, for those of you who haven't read it, this is a slight spoiler from the book World War Z, which is a really fun read. Um, wintertime was the time to kind of go on the offensive against the zombies because they would freeze. Yeah. And, and they, would ha- they would lack the kind of mobility that they had in the summertime. So you could just go out and just kind of like spear them while they mm-hmm. were frozen there on the ground. And lots and of I them do would wonder- freeze under the ice and you'd kind yeah. of have these layers of ice that would melt. And I'm very interested in this. I think there was a really interesting discussion in the Discord about basically like, would the Cordyceps virus be able to essentially drive forward like a frozen body and kind of because it's not the same as a zombie but it is still kind of similar because of it's only controlled by its brain i don't know i think 
that as the does episode, it generate heat? Like, does how it does generate it not, heat? Exactly. How does and, it not freeze? I guess is my main question. And the the interesting thing that I would say is, I do think that while this episode does not do like a direct, it does not give us a direct answer. I do think it hints that living out in the cold seems to be easier than mm-hmm. living in like an urbanized city where there's not a lot of snow. So maybe there is a way that it finds it. I mean, think about it. it might, think about the ones that we saw early on in Boston that were all laid on the ground, kind of connected to the hive mind. If they got snowed over, surely they'd get frozen under there. Right, right. right? And and surely like if that was, if they're all frozen up, now's the time you kind of go out and try and kill them yeah. so that when the springtime comes, maybe you can just kind of like expand your livable mm-hmm. uh, area. But who knows? Clearly, the fact that that's maybe not being done or has been tried and has failed tells you that the cordyceps is a lot more uh, hardy than than maybe uh, the show is telling us. Yeah. Um, so Joel and Ellie head out. Ellie steals a couple of rabbits, which is not cool. I don't think that's cool, but that's okay. I get it. I don't think it's cool. I think they would have. I think they would have given them to them. Probably, honestly, I think they probably (laughs) would have given them to. But it shows. It also kind of gives you the this relationship, this budding relationship between Joel and Ellie. They're rubbing off on each other. Mm -hmm, Joel is mm -hmm. slightly mellowed, right? But also, Ellie is, in the words of uh, of Joel, doing what she had has to do to survive. Yeah, and she wants to impress. She has a rabbit. Yeah. That's Even a great though, point, And too. he's kind of reluctant. He's like, oh, you shouldn't have done it. Da, da. But really, he's going to eat those rabbits. You know. And as they head out, um, all of a sudden, Joel is struck by some kind of episode, which we eventually learn is a Tony Soprano-style panic attack and anxiety attack. And I think a really quite a good depiction of an mm-hmm. anxiety attack, if anybody's ever had one. Yeah. is a lot what it's like. You're like, I'm not breathing well now I'm scared. Am I having a heart attack? I'm yeah, not you're like, sure. Am I having a heart attack? And then yeah. you're sort of like, well, I can't breathe. If I think about it, I can't breathe, then I'm not going to be able to breathe. Yeah, and now I'm a little sort of so conscious of my breathing and my yeah. heart rate, and all of a sudden I'm freaking out. And that is exactly what it's like. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> Terrible. And they did a really good job. And something I find really interesting about this is in the prologue of the original Last of Us Part 1 game, you see that Joel is on like a number of different meds, and one of them is mm. anxiety meds. And then I feel like that's just a... That's something that was kind of like, okay, that happened. But I always, I feel like a lot of people who played it always thought like, how much would that suck? Like if you're, yeah. if you already have anxiety and then you're in the fucking apocalypse, yes. like that would just suck. And so many of us struggle from anxiety or, or suffer from PTSD or all different kinds of kind of terrible things that affect our day-to-day life when there's not, you know, infected hunting us down. And I'm very, I was very interested and and surprised and kind of happy with the fact that they decided to lean into this. And I found it very interesting. I liked it too. I find it very interesting that this is where Joel's anxiety comes out. It's about his family. It's about Tommy. It's about Ellie. Like we've seen him do fight against bloaters, all this crazy stuff. We saw Sam and Henry, but it's something in him about finding Tommy or being with Ellie that's kind of bringing it to the forefront again. We will discuss this uh, more further into the recap. X-Ray Vision will be back. Exciting news! What is it? We just dropped some brand new merch for all of you X-Ray Vision fans out there. It's a very, very cool X-Ray Vision Was Right t-shirt inspired by the iconic Magneto Was Right imagery from the early 2000s run 
of Marvel Comics, the X-Men, shouts to my guy, Magnus. He was right, and he's been right for quite some time. And this is also a reference not just to that, but to the fact that all our predictions are basically, depending on how we interpret them, right. Obviously. Head to cricket.com slash store to get your shirt now. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. And we're back. Now, as Ellie is watching this, she's freaking out. And she says, man, if you die, I'm fucked. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Joel, you know, luckily manages to pull it together. It's just an anxiety attack. You just kind of wait it out. uh, And they're fine. They camp at the river. Joel uh, lets Ellie have a little nip of the old alcohol. Why not? A big bonding moment, you know? Yeah, why not? Why is it taking this long? long? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Give her a break, man. Give her a break. I know. She's already committed murders and stuff. You know, and seen people like kill themselves in front of her. Yeah, come on. Give her a little nip of the the juice. Um, And they have a little bonding conversation. Assume we meet the fireflies and manage to save the world, Ellie asks. Uh, What do we do then? Um... You know, and she's like, you know, you can go anywhere you want. Uh, you can do anything you want. What are you going to do? And uh, Joel is like, well, that's never been an option. But eventually, in a, in one of the more vulnerable moments, I think, up mm-hmm. to now, he volunteers that he'd like to, to set up away from all people, which is not a surprise. But the, then the surprising <laughs> part comes, which is he'd like to to, uh, to run a sheep ranch, have some sheep out there grazing on the hillside. Uh, and Ellie jokes that it's romantic. Uh, yeah, and Joel, Joel gets some, he gets some good Ellie shade where he's like, they're quiet and they do what they're told. Like, he's yeah. like, always did there's this, you could tell that little <laughs> crankiness between them, but really it's becoming that loving banter. Joel then asks Ellie the same question and she gazes up at the, the moon hovering above them uh, and that is her answer the moon, outer space. Uh, and then they start talking about astronauts. She's, uh, apparently, Ellie has a, has a great interest in astronauts, which makes sense. You know, the, the world being what it is, you'd think about escape. And when mm-hmm. she was being raised at the Federal Orphanage, she read all she could about astronauts. And she says, you know who my favorite astronaut is? Joel guesses Sally Ride. She's the best astronaut name ever. And then really pregnant pause here. And then Ellie wonders about her immunity and the vaccine that could possibly be created from her blood. Uh, and she says, you know, do you, do you think it would actually work? Would it work? And then she heartbreakingly now, and it's it's important to remember, this is three months later now. It's taken three months for her to 
talk about this. She then tells Joel how she tried to cure Sam by rubbing the blood into his wounds. And she says, I know it was stupid, but I wanted to save him. Uh, Joel then tells Ellie, listen, Marlene, for whatever, you know, whatever else she was, she was really smart. If she says the Firefly scientists can make a vaccine, they can do it. Now, I don't truly believe Joel means this, mm-hmm. but I think it's also a, a, a pretty big indicator of his growth as a person. Yeah. He's, ne- he's not previous to this, certainly before his experience with Ellie, been the type, type of person who would like sugarcoat a thing. No. But I think here he is in a very dad-like way trying to kind of sand the rough edges off the truth, which is we don't know. Yeah. And I think who like knows? he's really he's really moved by what Ellie tells him about Sam. Yeah. And I think he kind of wants to he wants to make it a little bit easy for her to give her that little bit of hope that he doesn't have. It's kind of the inversion of when he just wouldn't believe at the beginning. Now he wants Ellie to believe, even if he's not sure if it's true or not. Now here's a really small moment, but I thought one was really evocative of like what's going on with Joel right now. So they're going to sleep. Um, Ellie is like, I'll take the second watch. Joel is like, Mr. Dad, Mr. Tough Guy is like, no, no, I'll take both. And then he says, hey, why don't you, uh, while you're sleeping, dream about uh, sheep branches on the moon. She says she will. And then, of course, when Joel wakes up, what happens? He fell asleep during second watch and Ellie had to do it. Um, And it's just this very small microcosm of what's going on with Joel in this episode, Mm -hmm. which is he's getting older. He's losing a step. Or certainly he's worried that he's losing a step yeah. and is not able to be the man that he was. But he's also not comfortable about letting Ellie know just how scared that he is, that he is getting older and losing it. Um, and he gets into her about the fact yeah, that yeah, she can wake angry. up. He's that's angry. He's like, that, That's his way of hiding his fear. He's angry. Uh-huh. He's pissed off. I'm responsible for you. Like, did, and she's like, don't don't fall asleep then. <laughs> yeah, come on. Like, what do you they mean? They're, they're partners <laughs> at this point. Uh, like, that's what he doesn't want to admit. And then she tells him all the things that she learned from him that she did while he was asleep. I checked my six. I looked for tracks. I went to the highest point in uh, to set up my watch. Uh, and she says, what can I say? I'm a natural. Uh, <laughs> And again, Joel kind of remains pissed, but you can also tell he's a little impressed. Mm-hmm. He's like, there's reluctantly he's impressed. Reluctantly impressed. Uh, they then set up on the river for a while and watch it for what uh, what I would imagine was uh, you know an hour, a couple of hours, mm-hmm. just to see what would happen. Joel fires a shot just to see if anybody's going to come investigate it. What you know, what's going to happen? Nothing happens. So they cross the bridge. Ellie is is whistling as they cross the bridge and she's thinking about, you know, like, what would it take to be a good hunter? She thinks she'd be good at it. They come to a hydroelectric dam. Um, Joel kind of explains the principle of what it used to do uh, and they kind of move on. And at this point, Ellie raises the possibility. They come to another river, at which point Ellie raises the possibility that one they don't quite know where they are. They're yeah, lost, she's like, maybe. Is, which one's the river of death? And then like, two, uh... is this the river of death? And then it's only moments after that that they are completely surrounded by armed figures on horseback. Um, the horse folks bring a dog out 
Mm-hmm. And the the dog will test whether Joel and Ellie are infected. Uh, and there are some really tense moments. Joel, of course, Joel comes has up another clean. panic attack. Joel has another panic attack right here. Then they send the the dog at Ellie, and it is it's extremely fraught. But Ellie comes up clean. And not only that, but the dog seems to really like her. Yeah, I found this really interesting because it kind of like it tells us so much about the the state of Ellie's infection without really telling us anything. The fact that the dog can't smell it means that it, she is whatever, truly clear. Right, right. Whatever the whatever the amount of fungus in her system is, it's an amount that cannot be detected by a dog and it's certainly right. not enough to get her to get her sick. Yeah, I'm so interested in it because I'm like, would she still come up positive on the Fedra tests and how outdated were those tests and how many people yeah. did they miss? You know, it's I just think it's so interesting. And I love that moment where, yeah, like the dog just loves her. Yeah. And there's so just great. this instant connection. Then Joel is like, hey, I'm looking for my brother. And then a woman rides up and says, wait, what's his name? And next thing you know, the group is taking Joel and Ellie back to their home, Jackson, Wyoming, now a fortified town with this big palisade wall around it. And the place is is buzzing. I mean, it's like it's it's like pre-fall civilization in there. Let's look it up right now. The population of Jackson, Wyoming. It is apparently... 10,000. Let's call it 11. There's certainly not 11,000 people there, but it looks There's a lot of like people. it it looks like a active town with kids and men and women of all ages all wandering around uh, doing stuff, going to and fro, certainly not wanting for anything. The hydroelectric dam, it mm-hmm. turns out, is is supplying this town with all the electricity it needs. They have hot water. They have everything they could possibly uh, want. Um, and as they're walking in, who does Joel see working on a scaffolding, like working construction as he used to do? His brother, Tommy. And they embrace. And Tommy's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And Joel is like, I came here to save you. By the way, it looks like Tommy doesn't need saving. He's fine. No, it's like, and, and Joel and Ellie are like in shock because this is, yes. this is not just, as we'll come to find out, this is not just like a great place in the context of post-Fedra. This is a great place pre like they're this is building very... something here that is really special and feels very sustainable. But as we learn, it's at the cost of being like extremely exclusionary because you yes. can't risk letting other people in. Um, later on, they're at the cafeteria. Joel and Ellie are eating what looks like a delicious stew under the watchful gaze of Tommy and his partner, Maria, the woman who uh, was in that party that surrounded Joel and Ellie previously. Um, Ellie kind of like snaps at a girl who's like get, watching her, who's like very interested her. And then Maria is like, hey, like they're just curious because kids around here don't look or talk like you. At which and this was like, listen. This is a this is a really fun episode of the la- of a great show. This was the one line where I was like, "Do they not look or talk?" First of all, who has heard Ellie talk? Like, mm-hmm. she just got here. Second of all, she honestly looks like every other kid here. I think it's because like, she's uh, swearing. Like, is what they mean? Like, she's like aggressive and like I swearing. Guess. But I was well, like, are these other kids not traumatized? Are they? I was like, sure, Tina. I guess maybe the idea. We, it, 
they they say I think they say they've been there for like seven years or something. Yeah. So I guess there's I guess kids there who've never seen infected, but there are their parents are out there like slaughtering yeah. all raiders who cross the river and like posting their corpses on the banks of the right? river. Like, it's like I think uh, I think the kids are fine. But yeah, I okay, also, so let, wait, let's talk about quickly, let's talk about the girl. Because this girl yeah. who's staring at Ellie has like become a huge talking point. And and on the podcast, uh, Mason and Druckmann were very coy about this, but a lot of people think this is Dina. Yeah, I think from so. From The too. Last of Us Part Two. And I think I, so too. I, I think so too. Dina is a yeah. huge part of the the part two of the game who will come into Ellie's life. And I think that that, that that is probably where we just met her. But yeah, I thought that was line was very interesting too. And that was actually I can't tell if they were red herring us, like because that line gave me like a creepy, like, oh, maybe this is going to be like a Walking Dead style, like yeah. they're cannibals or they're a cult, or but it's yeah. not. It's actually it, like that's a pretty what, that's, I think, chill good place. Point. But that was like the moment when she said that. I was like, what does she mean? Like, they're just yeah, normal that was kids. the one line like, that kind of stuck out. Is like, I don't quite understand. Like, I I also got the kind of cult vibes yeah because it's like what is what do, exactly does that mean like ellie asks for a gun back and she and and maria's like oh that's another thing they don't carry guns which one ellie didn't come into town with her gun like they'd mm-hmm. taken her gun from her and two you tell me these people that live out here killing raiders all the time don't teach their kids to sh- like it I, seems I, dumb i am teach pro them how gun to shoot. control i am pro gun control but i guarantee you these people are teaching little kids how to shoot out definitely here. uh anyway um, Ellie asks for a gun back. It's a no dice situation there. Um, it's getting a little tense. Tommy tries to kind of cool everybody down. Uh, Ellie notes kind of bitterly and truthfully that, hey, you know, before they brought us back here, Maria and th- your friends were quite ready to, like, line us up and mm-hmm. shoot us. Mm-hmm. And Tommy says, hey, you know, like, you can never be too careful. Uh, to your point, like, it's it, uh, this We've got a, they've got a good thing going in here, and the last thing they need is letting people in who want to either destroy it or want to share it with people who destroy it. So they have to be very, very careful. Uh, and then Maria says, well, yeah, you know, like we do kill raiders and we absolutely display their bodies on the banks mm-hmm. of the river as a warning to others, confirming yeah. what the indigenous couple told them uh, earlier in the episode. Tommy says something like, just because you have a bad reputation doesn't mean you're bad. And there's this yeah. kind of like really knowing look between like Maria and Joel and Tommy and Joel about like what Joel's reputation obviously is. And that kind of comes yeah. into play as the episode goes on. So I found that very interesting. But yeah, this was like a very unexpected. It's very different from the Tommy's Dam uh, segment in the first game. But as Vasilis was kind of mentioning, it kind of seems to be taking more from a version that we see in in part two yeah um we'll, we'll get back to this when it happens in the recap but to to your point the fact that joel has a reputation in this context mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in this context where a woman just very casually is like yeah we kill people and we throw their fucking corpses out there so everyone can see him the fact that to them joel is a fucked up guy exactly exactly <laughs> let's he did know. some stuff he did some crazy really bad shit um joel then says hey marie can can i talk to my brother like this is a family affair and uh tommy's like well actually maria uh is family and p.s as we will soon learn in the episode uh she's pregnant with a child um then maria and tommy take them on the tour 
Maria tells Joel that, uh, as he mentioned, they've been here about seven years. Town has been steadily growing since then. Raiders are a problem basically all the time, uh, infected less so. Uh, and then Tommy brags that, like, hey, man, I've still got it. Like, I can shoot infected from, <laughs> headshot them from half a mile away. It's no problem. Ellie is like, oh, I would love to learn how to headshot yeah, infected from me. half a mile away. Um, Maria then tells Joel that, you know, you know, as we discussed previously, we need to keep this as quiet as possible. We mm -hmm. don't let people know what we have. We don't discuss uh, our presence on the radio. And when we venture out, we make sure we're not followed, all those kind of things. Uh, and then she says, kind of giving us a, a window into the culture of the town. This is a multi-faith democracy. There is a ruling. Uh, ruling is probably not the word that they would use, but I'll just use it here. It's like a ruling board that sets yeah, like the agenda for the Yeah, like a democratically voted in council. All democratically voted in. Um, there's about 300 people that live here now, and uh, they live according to communal principles. There's a school. There's a laundry. Uh, we're about to see a movie theater. Power comes from the hydroelectric jam. And then uh, <laughs> Joel <laughs> is, is so like, good. this is really, really funny. Joel is like, uh, so you all are communists. And then Tommy, who again, you know, fought in the in the Gulf War One and was a U.S. soldier, and has you know has some very very uh, American centric views on what the word communism means. It's like, ah, oh, man, what? He's like nothing like that. Nothing like that. What are you talking about? <laughs> Maria's, Maria's like, no, like, literally, we live in a commune. We're communists. Literally, they're oh. literally. Every piece of property here is basically public. Like, yeah, and like everybody, it's shared ownership. Also, yeah. I saw a tweet. I'm sorry to the whoever tweeted this, but I felt like it really summed up the power of this show where it was like The Walking Dead took 12 seasons to tiptoe around the fact that the only way to rebuild after a zombie apocalypse would be communism, but they never said it. And six episodes in, The Last of Us was just like, communism. That's the only yeah, way yeah, yeah. that you yeah. could survive afterwards. <laughs> Maria sets Joel and Ellie up with a beautiful home, like a beautiful Gorgeous. house. Uh, and then Maria takes Ellie uh to go kind of like see the house so that Joel and Tommy can catch up. Tommy takes Joel to a bar, gives him some apparently real tasting liquor. Wow. Uh, and then is like, hey, so what's going on with Tess? Where's she? And Joel lies. Uh, he says, oh, she's fine. He's not ready next, for that conversation. Yeah, next subject. Let's talk about something else. Yeah. Uh, Ellie, oh, uh, she is the daughter of some high-ranking Firefly person. And, you know, like I'm, I'm reuniting with her family. Tommy is clearly suspicious. Um, but he tells his brother that um, the Fireflies are kind of nearby. They're about a day's ride away at the University of Eastern Colorado. And they have a base there. Uh, and... Like this needs saying, but of course we got to say it. It is fucked up country between Jackson yeah. and and the, and the campus. Of course it's it like, is. And he says it's like it he says it's like bad, bad. This is like yeah, very fucked up shit. Um, and then Joel's like, well, you know, it wouldn't be quite so bad if you came with us because, Mister, like I can snipe uh, targets from half a mile away. Like if we had your skills uh, at our side, it wouldn't be a problem. And Tommy's like, I can't. Because, and now here comes the reveal, Maria's pregnant with my baby, and I got to be around. I got to be a present father. And Joel's like, what? Joel's like, fuck <laughs> you. Like, Joel fuck takes you. this as like a personal slight. It's, like, it's very painful to him. 
Now, that is a perfectly reasonable and, in fact, healthy, non-toxic, mm-hmm. wonderful, egalitarian thing to, to be like, hey, I don't want to – my wife is pregnant. She's going to be dealing with a lot during that time, and I want to help make that burden easier. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh and Tommy now, you can tell like a door is opened to things that Tommy has been dying to talk about with yeah. someone that he's close to. And so he says, yeah, man, I wonder if I'll be a good dad. You know, this whole that is that is the doorway to a very big substantive conversation that Tommy is ready to have. And then Joel is just not, not ready to have. He is completely emotionally unavailable. And he just says, well, I guess we'll find out. Tommy is like and, heartbroken. Like he yeah, is like as he he's ready be. to knock him out. Like, yeah. But I will say, I will say, look, one thing that we haven't really touched on here yet. Joel's been worried about Tommy for like a really long time. And he's come yeah. halfway across the country and Tommy's just living the high life, watching movies in the theater. There's a Christmas tree. You know, in it, ironically, he is doing what Joel always says, which is do what you have to to survive. And for Tommy, that meant not being on the radio and not telling Joel where he was. But Joel can't see it that way. Joel almost sees it as like a a betrayal. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, Well, Tommy snaps back, you know, just because life stopped for you doesn't mean it has to stop for me. And Mm -hmm. then Joel's like, we'll be out of your hair in the morning. Classic Joel. Classic Joel. And you bring up something, you know, really interesting, I think, which is that one, and we'll talk about this more because... There's a, a yet another question about why Joel is in such a rush to leave someplace that is clearly truly, safe. Truly, like, please, they could have <laughs> stayed here for a good couple of months. The world doesn't but need a vaccine that much. I keep thinking about the thing Tess said, which is, can you just take the good news from once? Mm-hmm. Literally, that is Joel's personality. He is mm. so traumatized. You know, there's a thing that can happen, I think, when when— you're on when you're deeply unhappy or you've experienced a trauma and you don't quite know how to process it you don't know how yeah. to live with it where it becomes where living with it suffering from it becomes an identity yeah and i think that has happened for joel where he is so unhappy and mm-hmm. used to being mm-hmm. unhappy and heartbroken that he is more comfortable being heartbroken and being pissed off and being sad and being angry at other people than yeah. he is just being in the presence of his brother who's about to have a baby who he hasn't seen in X amount That's of months, if not point. years. He can't just enjoy it. He can't just yeah. sit here for an hour or two hours or a day, an extra day, and, like, catch up and, yeah. and feel good. It feels so alien to him feeling good that he would rather feel bad. Mm. And that's just a very sad, very relatable, I think, to a lot yeah. of people and very sad place to be at. Joel just can't, literally can't allow himself to feel good. Yeah, he can't so, do it. You're so smart to throw it back to that test moment, too, because it's almost like that is his biggest weakness at this point. Yeah. And I love the way that every episode we're kind of getting these different reflections for Joel and last time you know we saw it was Kathleen and yeah and we had Bill who let somebody in and now we have Tommy who legit says to him like just because your life stopped doesn't mean like the rest of us can't move on you know and that is like this is what if imagine if Joel just was like they've got something really good here these are the skills I could bring me and Ellie could just live here I don't trust the fireflies yeah. like it would it be the most selfless 
thing to do when Ellie could save the world? No, but like, could there be a conversation about it? Could you choose to have a life with people that you loved? But that's not something all Joel, Joel knows how to do is to basically like push through it every situation suffer. like a bulldozer. That's but it's all like, he it's knows like how he to do is suffer and live he, he with just, suffering. And yeah. just keep going through. He just keeps moving almost like a shark. It's like he can't stop because then well, he would actually like, have to think about the things that he's lost. It, you know, it seems like such a simple thing. You know, if it was actually simple, then no one would need to go to therapy. But it's like <laughs> the thing about baggage that's easy to forget is that you can put it down. And Joel yep. just can't. Yep. He literally can't because he is he doesn't know how to be a person who is happy. He can he can only and be a person that is suffering. That's why, like, in that moment, and we're so in Joel's mindset in this episode and, and throughout the show, so seeing things through his lens, that I felt when Tommy told him that, like, I felt that pain for Joel, like, oh, my Sarah died, but you're going to yeah. have a baby. And actually, you're so right. That shouldn't have been our first reaction. The first reaction should have been like, oh, this is joyful. Hey, like, this, this is, is amazing. Our family's continuing. Like, even in this terrible situation, you and your wife are going to be able to bring new life into it in a place that could be safe. That's incredible. Also, why go to the, can I just, and I would also say, why, why, why go to the fireflies? Like, can we first find out if there are any doctors here? Are there any scientists here? Is there this any? This looks pretty good. Have Let's we even seen here. a firefly the whole, like, six months that you've been on this right. journey or whatever? Why like... don't we stay here and see if there are any scientists here? Mm -hmm. You know, like, unless, but Joel needs the presence of danger. He needs the, the he needs possibility of heartbreak. Yeah. It's more than even a mission. He needs to put himself in danger because he deserves that. He yeah, deserves yeah, he pain. Thinks he, deserves he thinks it. he needs pain. He deserves to have pain and yeah. to carry pain around. And he has to put himself in situations where it's possible that he will feel pain. That's just who he is. Uh, one more thing about this. So Tommy says that he couldn't radio Joel because this is the rules of the commune. You know, they took me in. I have to respect their rules. And I think that that is a great reason and a very meaningful reason in this world. Where, you know, people share the generosity of safety mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and companionship with you, and you kind of have to respect the rules that they have. At the same time, a part of me wonders if Tommy, if there isn't on some level, because Tommy seems very at peace with that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I do wonder if on some level Tommy doesn't feel like whether he is able to verbalize this or not, that Joel brings drama with Like, no, Joel brings so that too. shit with him. You know what the real truth is? If Think about if Joel, if he told Joel about them seven years ago, five years ago, two years ago, whenever he got there, a, a month ago, you know, whenever it was, he, Joel would probably have gone there with test guns blazing. Oh, I got to go I mean, there and see they if I can. Certainly, a bunch of people on the way there, and and they would have been like, "Oh, I've got to see if we can do a deal." Da da da. And suddenly, he's telling yeah. Bill about it. Oh, but you know, oh, we know yeah. they have some stock there that you can use. Everything is a barter or a trade, and I think Tommy was right to not trust the Joel that he knew then. The Joel he knows now, Joel would never tell anyone. I know when Joel leaves this place, as angry as he is, yeah. he is a different person because of Ellie. He would not ruin that safe place or that sanctuary but before when everything was a transactional exchange yeah. he definitely could have used that knowledge as a way to try and gain something rather than becoming a part of that community x-ray vision will be back the important work of political and civic engagement doesn't just happen every two years 
2023 has critical elections, starting with a must-win Supreme Court seat in Wisconsin. Vote Save America's No Off Years program is here to help you stay engaged throughout 2023. Right now, you can donate to our No Off Years fund to help get out the vote in Wisconsin ahead of their April election and sign up to stay in the loop on what's happening and how you can get involved via remote and in-person volunteer opportunities, targeted donations, and more. Just head to votesaveamerica.com to get started. Disney Plus and Hulu are better together in the Disney Bundle with new movies and series. On Disney Plus, experience the full Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, Taylor's version, with new main show performances and acoustic collection. On Hulu, follow the fantastical evolution of Bella Baxter, played by Emma Stone in the award-winning film Poor Things. All of these and more streaming this month. Get the Disney Bundle with Disney Plus and Hulu. Terms apply. See DisneyBundle.com for details. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. And we're back. Ellie is at the house that she's going to be sharing with Joel. She find, she comes out of the shower and finds that uh, Maria has left some new clothes for her and a note saying, hey, come meet me across the street and has given her uh, a menstrual cup, which is this wonderful – you, you forget that like Joel yeah. doesn't know women's shit. Know <laughs> yeah. I also love like and that Ellie needs this. Yeah, I really Ellie I love needs it, Ellie's, that Ellie's response is like she squeezes it and sees the instruction and then she's like, gross. And I'm just like, that's yeah. such a good teenage thing. Like it's really yeah. useful in the apocalypse, really usable. Don't have to worry about finding tampons anymore. But also it's gross. Like I get it. I, I love that response. It was such a, a natural response from Bella. So she goes over to Maria and Tommy's. She's a chalkboard over the fr- their fireplace, their hearth, which commemorates the lives of uh, a boy named Kevin and a girl named Sarah, who both died in the early days of the outbreak, very close to each other. Kevin, who we learn very soon as Maria's son, was not even three years old yet. Uh, Maria comes in. She's got a coat for Ellie. It's eggplant, not purple. Don't be saying purple around her. <laughs> Uh, and we see that Maria is just incredibly generous and that like the the that is the culture of Jackson right now mm-hmm. is this kind of generosity for everybody who is here. Uh, and she's like, let me trim your hair. When's the last time the split ends have been trimmed? And she trims her <laughs> hair. Uh, and they talk about life. Maria is mm-hmm. like, I used to be a prosecutor uh, back in the day, which Ellie kind of doesn't quite know what that is. But she's like, I used to put bad people away. And then she inadvertently reveals, thinking that Ellie knew this, that the Sarah from the chalkboard was Joel's daughter. Um, and Ellie says, I guess that explains him a little. I, Ellie, I think that explains him a lot. I think it explains <laughs> him a lot. Babe. Also, you know I what? Think it explains a lot. Thinking about the coat, right, the eggplant coat, I just want to say, I also wonder if that line that we were kind of like, oh, don't, they don't look like you, yeah. I wonder if part of it is like, Maria is so ensconced in this little world where everyone has these like clean clothes and wears the right clothes Mm. for the season because she gives Ellie this outfit that's like warm gloves like clothes before Ellie's wearing like five layers of like ratty 
you know, yeah. hoodies. And, and I wonder if it was something to do with that, because her giving the her quality, these clothes, yeah. like, makes her look like she's part of this town where it's like this visual safety of like you're wearing the right clothes for winter you're there's a christmas tree in this town i mean like i wonder if maria is so in that mindset that to ellie to us ellie looks like all these other kids but to her she can like see that she's like dirty she She hasn't had a haircut she she her clothes are old you know that's a good point maria then kind of by the things she's saying you can tell that she's suspicious or at least is Full of worry. She's full of worry about Ellie's situation with Joel. Is this safe for Ellie? Uh, What kind of situations is is Joel getting Ellie into? Ellie says, hey, listen, I know about Joel's past. I know that he was, you know, that he committed murders. Um, And Ellie, I think, quite fairly says, you know, Tommy was involved in all that, too, but mm-hmm. you don't seem too mm-hmm. worried about Tommy, um, which, again, I think calls back to the thing we were discussing earlier, which is, man, Joel, for all the bad stuff that they were all involved in, Tess, Tommy, Joel, mm-hmm. and others, Joel must have been on the another worst. level. Yeah. The worst. Like, he, it, he, he was, was doing what... what- what kept he thought he needed to keep the people he loved alive, but we the more we learn, the more it horrific. must have been it must have been quite savage, and I you know you know if there was any kind of processing of the tragedy of his daughter's murder, it probably was done through yes him committing violent acts on people yeah. I also wonder if like the choice the the smart choices that they have made that I think is why this show has such a wide appeal to not make Joel the Joel that we see in the game. I wonder if it feels at times when they talk about what Joel did, it feels at times as if they're talking about the Joel that you play as in the game. You know what I mean? That's a great point. You're you're killing, in the game, you kill hundreds of people. You constantly just have to murder people at all times to get Ellie and Tess until Tess is there no longer to this new place and then different people that you meet. And I just, I feel like there's this really smart dual storytelling where if you've played the game, you can kind of connect your own complicity in those actions. And it makes a lot of sense. We know where this story is going if we played the game, right? And they need to build up this idea that Joel has committed terrible crimes because there is a there's an explosion of violence in the future that will likely happen. And that's and a, I find it very interesting. That's a actually it. really, really, really smart point. Um, Maria notes that, well, you know, Tommy was just following the stuff that Joel was doing. Famously uh, good excuse. <laughs> yeah, just as... You know, just, just as orders. Ellie appears to be. And then Ellie's like, well, maybe I'm smarter than Tommy. No offense. Um, Maria, basically, the, the whole crux of this conversation is Maria just wants to tell Ellie, hey, listen. The only people that can betray us are the people that we trust. And Ellie is not receptive to this. She doesn't know Maria. Um, and, but Maria's like, okay, well, this conversation is going nowhere. Let's go to the movies. So they Man, go that, that to That line watch. is so, it has so much weight when you know where the story is going. Yes, like, And Retina, Retina Wesley, who plays Maria, Tara from True Blood, it's just like so good in this role. You just want to stick around and like you want Ellie to have this like strong, brilliant woman in her life who's like looking out for her. But all Ellie wants is grizzled old Joel. Grizzled old Joel. Um, so the movie, 
uh, is 1977's The Goodbye Girl, written by Neil Simon, starring Marsha Mason and Richard Dreyfuss in the role that would make him the youngest, to that point, uh, Oscar winner for Best Actor. Uh, Ellie is watching this movie. I don't know how much she is connecting with this movie. She's like kind of like looking at everyone like, what is wrong with you? Yeah. She's like kind of looking Tommy. around like, uh, what's going on, guys? Like, this is how you She's, live your life? She sees Tommy kind of scurrying across the room. And so she goes off and she follows him. Tommy go is going to, to meet Joel. Joel is working on his, uh, his torn up boots. He's like taping them shut, trying to fix them, trying to resole them. Uh, Tommy brings him a brand new pair of, well, not a brand new to Joel pair of boots. New to Joel. They look good compared <laughs> yeah. to Joel's boots. Uh, and he's got an apology, too. Um, just about, like, the previous conversation and how it went, even though Tommy truly does have nothing to apologize for. Uh, Joel then opens up all the fears that he has been kind of harboring over these last few months. He says, listen, I don't. This journey to Colorado, I don't think I'm going to make it. Ellie had to kill a guy, and that's because of me. That's because I wasn't mm-hmm. strong enough to do what had to be done. If I had, if I had been a younger man, if I had been five years older, even if I my hearing had been back, if my hearing had been back, I would have. If I had the super hearing from the game that I don't have anymore, <laughs> if somebody could just press the square button, blah, 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 blah. if I had square, I could have heard him. I would have heard him, and and Ellie would have needed. She would not have needed to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's my duty to protect her. But I can't. I think I'm going to fail. I think I'm going to fail. And uh, every time I go to sleep, I I have a dream that I failed. And somehow, even in my dreams, I'm fucking up. I need you to do it, Tommy. I need you to take her to Colorado. And Tommy is swayed by this. Um, it really swayed by this. He says, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll do it for you. I'll take her out of dawn. Joel goes back to the house. He finds Ellie and clearly Ellie has overheard this conversation and she's pissed. Um, first she finds Ellie reading the journal of the girl that used to live there. And she's just like, there is this incredible, like cultural dissonance of, of, is this really what life was like Mm -hmm. uh, girls my age 20 years ago, they were just like worried about boys and clothes and stuff. Uh, And then she gets to it. She's like, well, I guess it's Tommy then fuck you, Joel. And she's furious. Uh, She says, Joel, why are you even like hanging out? Like, why are we having this conversation? Just go, just do whatever you want to do. Just leave. Why wait? Uh, Joel actually makes a strong point that like, listen, I, I, I get it. But Tommy knows this area to say nothing of the fact that he's younger than me. Um, but it doesn't matter because bottom line, Ellie doesn't know Tommy. She doesn't trust Tommy. She has spent the last three months with Joel. Mm-hmm. She has a level of comfort with Joel and she wants to go with Joel. That's it. Um, and she says, like, what are you what are you afraid of? And she brings up Sarah, which was probably the wrong thing to do in this conversation because Joel immediately that you just see the door and mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal is amazing because you just see the door close shut whatever door he had opened to be like hey I'm I'm I don't think I'm good enough to take you the rest of the way that immediately shuts mm-hmm. and he tries to like basically get into a suffering, a, a trauma pissing contest with Ellie. And Ellie says, hey, everyone, yeah, you're going through shit. Everyone I cared for has either died or left. Everybody except you. And she pushes Joel really hard. and But he's unmoved by this. He says, you're not my daughter. And I sure as hell ain't your dad. Come down. We're going our separate ways. Joel, tut, 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 tut. And then Joel spends the night thinking about Sarah. 
Next morning, Ellie is like ready to go before dawn, before anybody knocks on her door. Mm -hmm. She is packed. She has her shoes on. She has her new coat on. She's ready. Tommy comes. They go to the stables and there they find Joel saddling up a horse, getting a horse ready. And he says, you know what? I thought about it. I spent the night thinking about it. And you deserve at least to have a say, to have some agency in your life, to make the choice about who you want to take you the rest of the way. Me or Tommy. And she's like, you. Okay. Tommy, see you later. Yeah, it's she like, like smashes like literally, like, such she, a, she literally <laughs> like just smashes her bags into Joel and she's yeah. like, let's go. It's time. Um, Tommy uh, then says, hey, listen, when you get back, Jackson is here for you. We've got a place mm. here. Uh, and then Joel asks for— I would love to for, see that life. I would love to that see that version. And then Joel asks Tommy for his hunting rifle. Tommy gives it to him. Uh, and they set off. And again, I mean, we talked about it earlier, but this is why doesn't Joel stay? It makes so much sense to stay. Even if you're going to go, don't go in winter. Go He's so in springtime. Yeah, why go now? It's just that Joel— doesn't know any other way but the hardest way mm -hmm. because that is the life he's been living. He can't let himself off the hook. He just can't. Yeah. Um, later on, on the way, on the trip down, Joel teaches Ellie how to shoot the rifle and she's bad at it. She blames the gun and we see Joel do it and he's fucking great at it. Um, he tells her about his previous life as a contractor, which is like building stuff. We see her lean her head against his back as they're riding on the horse. Uh, and she and he tells her how American football worked, uh, which is the <laughs> down system, which is really good. They, they make Colorado. In five days, um, Joel tells Ellie, and they're also like, "Wait a minute, this wasn't bad." Yeah, it like, was not. Bad everyone at all. was like, "This is so terrible. This was like the worst journey. It's so fucked. It's the most scariest place, and you're fucked if you if you're on the way there." And they're like, "Wait a minute, that was really easy." Yeah, oh, what's they going um, on? they uh, there's a another really nice vulnerable Joel moment where he <laughs> he tells Ellie that uh, when he was younger, he wanted to be a singer. <laughs> to which yeah, I love Ellie, this. That's when you uh, know, Ellie like, Joel's says, done you gotta now. sing now? Yeah, you gotta Joel sing. Joel is like, he he loves Ellie. I'm sorry, there's <laughs> yeah. no question. If there was any moment that needed you to know that he was fully committed to Ellie, it was when he decided to tell her he wanted to be a singer when he was younger. And I hope that means we're going to get to see him sing. Yes. I feel like they are setting us up for that. So they find the uh, the university campus overrun by monkeys that I guess were being experimented on, or maybe there was a yeah. local zoo nearby, and now they're now they're set free. Uh, they find lots of evidence of lab work, and they follow the firefly symbols uh, to to find the facilities where this lab work was being done. Um, but there's nobody here. There's no fireflies nope. here. There's nobody. Um, Ellie sees a map and says, hey, they must have pulled out to here. Look, there's this little pin on the map. They pulled out to Salt Lake City. Um, and then they hear this, some monkeys screeching outside. They look out the window, and guess who's here? It's raiders. Oh, shit. Um, they head for the horse. As they get to the horse, a raider pops literally out of the fucking ground. Oh. Where did this guy come from? Who knows? And attacks Joel. Joel, like in the game, chokes the guy out. I, I felt myself I felt myself gripping the controller in this moment. <laughs> <laughs> chokes the guy out. Um, but when the guy drops, we see that there is a shank sticking out of mm -hmm. Joel's guts. Ellie gets Joel on the horse and they get out of there as quick as they can with Ellie, you know, firing shots in the, in the Raiders direction. Uh, and they get quite a ways away to like a, a 
somewhere around like a railroad trestle um, before Joel can't. His strength is fading now and he's bleeding out and he falls off the horse to the ground. Ellie jumps off. She tries to put pressure on the wound, but Joel is clearly dying. And Ellie says, heartbreakingly, I can't do this without you. And then we cut to black. Woof. Yeah, I have to say, one of the most impressive feats that this show has achieved is most people watching this show do not know if Joel is going to live or die. Like, so much of the response from audiences believes Should we even say this? Should we even, is this, is this this even too much of a conversation? (laughs) I know, right? I'm like, wait a minute. I'm like, look, that is how believable it is. Who knows? We don't know how closely they're going to adapt the game. But I think that's one of the most incredible things about this moment is you feel it. You feel so scared for Joel. And even as a game player where the, the story may diverge, you believe that this could be it because these are the dramatic sweeps that the story is taking. And this ending is so heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. I just love how small the moment is because in the game, the version of this is like much more dramatic and there's so many more people attacking Joel. And But I really like the horrific smallness of it because the reality is that in this world, even though you're going up against all the infected and all these different people, a shiv to the gut, that could be what takes you out. Just one person who gets a lucky shot landed. And that makes it like so much more horrible. I just, yeah, I thought that was like such a good, shocking kind of moment. It really was. And I couldn't help but think as I watched Joel laying there that this in a really sad, in a really sad and a sad way that is, again, I think evocative of someone who is really like suffering with trauma mm-hmm. and with depression. This is almost in a weird way what Joel wanted. Yes, he, yes, he yes. Wanted to, he wanted, not, not that he wants anything bad to happen to Ellie, but he is so defined in his mind by failing to keep people safe mm-hmm. that he wants, on some level, he wanted to put himself in a situation where he would fail to keep her safe and die in the process. And here he is doing it. And it's really, really sad that he's can't just hang out with his brother for an extra week. You know? Right. Just let yourself just like, bro, do that. Like, literally, you could have just done that. Maybe maybe if you'd have told Maria the truth of the situation about Ellie, she would have wanted Tommy to go with yeah. you. Like she probably wants a better world for her kid and for her community. Like there's so many different versions. But I love your kind of point where it's it's like Joel's way is the hard way. Joel's the way hard, is always, always the, hardest the hardest way. way. And that's punishment, like you said. And it's always a way to in which he has to, you know, his brother gives him the rifle without any kind of, without even blinking. Yeah. Joel would not do that. His brother, after having this huge blow up argument with with Joel, who didn't, who literally shit on him when he was like, oh man, I wonder this huge moment in my life, I'm going to have kids soon. I wonder if I'm going to be good at it. And his, and Joel is just like, who mm-hmm. gives a shit? After all of that, he basically is like, you know what? I will go in your stead. I will go yep. risk my life, risk the quality of life of my partner and my unborn child, and I'll take this the kid because you need this. I can tell you really need me to do this. Um, and he and Tommy was just like, yeah, I'll yeah. do that. No, and, it's but true. Joel, Joel can't. Tommy has had so much growth. Like even in like, lest we not forget, yeah, that when Joel is in the stables, when they go and find him, he was there to steal a horse. 
and then he got yeah. a crisis of conscience. <laughs> and Tommy was yeah. like, I would have just given you the horse, bro. But that's not how Joel that's interacts. It always has to be the hardest way. So it's I, a, I love that you point. bring that up. And it's like that tragedy of his need to always put himself in danger. It comes to fruition here in a really brutal way that is going to put Joel and Ellie in an incredible amount of danger. And I think it's like quite well known now that the next episode is going to be the the DLC episode, the Left Behind episode, yeah. where we get into the Ooh. Ellie stuff. That so I is think going to be. It's going to be, it's got, it's got a, a episode three level of heartbreak potential. And, and I think it's going to be really interesting because it's also probably going to leave Joel's fate in uh That's in very smart flux. to do. I know, right? Well, Especially because we know what happens next in the game, which is like one of the scariest do. parts of the game. It's very, very so, smart yeah. to do. Um, well, we'll be back here uh, for episode seven next week and stay tuned for our ongoing coverage of not just The Last of Us on HBO Max, but The Last of Us game. Uh, up next, Nerd Out. <laughs> On this week's Nerd Out, I'm going to begin it with a little spoiler warning. The Below Theory has a minor, it's like a minor major spoiler for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, <laughs> depending on what you're interested in. So listen or not with that in mind. So, you know this segment. It's where you tell us yes. what you love and why. A we theory love that. you're excited to share. Now, Eli is sharing a theory that not only is Eli excited to share it, but me and Jason uh, uh, are excited to share it because this shit blew our minds. I did blow my mind. It was one <laughs> of those like, oh shit, this better be what this is. Because right? it's a great it was idea. Like, okay. It's so good that yeah, they have really to great. do this. Or I, I'm just like, hire Eli because this has yeah, to happen. It's, good. it's certainly on the table for something that could happen, you know, a couple years from now. Anyway, here's uh, Eli Montoya. Hey, X-Ray crew. Um, Here's a theory I've become obsessed with after seeing the techie ant army in Ant-Man and the Wasp. What if Hank Pym just inadvertently created the MCU's interpretation of the Annihilation Wave? Those highly evolved ants wrecked a conqueror's army with ease. Since time works differently in the quantum realm, is it possible they could keep evolving, become more mechanized, and eventually bust out of the microverse to consume all? First of all, let me just say, so the Annihilation Wave is a uh, an insect like invasion of uh, of these kind of like cybernetic part machine part biological insect bugs. beings they're yeah. called bugs and they are uh, uh, they are like spreading out across the universe just like like locusts just like destroying everything in their midst and they are led by Annihilus who is uh, this bug like uh, foe of the Fantastic Four now I gotta say, it really does. This feels fit. like what it is. I mean, it the, feels like what it is. The annihilation and I think you wave. Can create an, I think you could make like one of the big ants can just like evolve into annihilus. Exactly. Like, there's no reason. And also, as well, like, it's so, it feels, even though in the movie we felt like the, the ant army was such a good, like, duex machina gag and it really leaned into Hank Pym's kind of history of loving ants what i really love about it this is like this makes sense like narratively it they actually are, does make a lot of sense the, <laughs> the annihilation wave has like extremely advanced technology and weapons 
It they're has, unstoppable. They just are rolling over like very, very advanced civilizations. And they have so many, no, they have like unbelievable numbers. That was where their biggest yeah. power came from, which obviously ants have. I think this is so exciting and I would love this to see really it, especially smart. because we know that this over like a thousand years in the quantum realm, this group of ants became this like highly mechanized, like technologically advanced communist society that doesn't mean that there couldn't be one ant who wanted to rise up and take over inspired by kang i mean it, that could be who takes over the quantum realm now kang is gone you know it could be annihilus ant i i love this this is blowing I my think mind it's really, really i great. also think it would be the coolest <laughs> like one of the biggest i think one of the biggest critiques that a lot of mcu fans had about ant-man and the wasp is like the the stakes didn't they felt higher than a normal ant-man movie but they didn't necessarily feel like world ending if you weren't already deeply familiar with the kang law so i would love for what seemed to be like a kind of funny hank pym joke to actually end up being like a huge part of the mcu going forward that would just be I such a good payoff me too i hope like, they do this. hire eli because this is the one i'm obsessed it's really with good this. now we should add as we head into guardians 3 that the annihilation event um, was the thing that uh, spurred the formation of the famous Guardians of the Galaxy roster. It basically got Quill together with mm -hmm. uh, with Groot and with Rocket. And if there is to be, which we would assume, there's going to be another roster of Guardians mm -hmm. after Guardians 3 and this current uh, roster kind of yeah. like exit stage left, I wonder if the Annihilation Wave would be some kind of the, That's the, really, the event that causes another formation, another team of guardians yeah. to like come That's together. That's a really and smart call. Them. And also the other thing is, so we were kind of wondering about like the how did the ants end up in a part of the quantum realm that they spent a thousand years in when everyone else was only in there for like a few days or whatever. So in the comics, Annihilus is in the negative zone. So I do still wonder if this could be that space where where they fell into, that's like the negative zone part of the quantum realm, which we kind of wondered for a long time if those would be connected. Again, that connection to Fantastic Four, which we already have with Kang. I love this theory. Eli, you were yeah, really blown. Me and Jason have been really like good. living off this since we first heard about it. I think so, yeah. it's really good. It's so good. Well, thanks, Eli. If you have theories or passions you want to share, hit us up at xray at crooked.com. Instructions are in the show notes. That's it for us on this episode. Rosie, any plugs? Plugs, plugs, plugs. Uh, yeah, you can, you can find me here twice a week. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Rosie Marks, letterbox the same. And just my writings are around in the world. I've been writing a lot at DC.com recently, writing about some cool comic book history. I did a cool piece about Dwayne McDuffie. I've got a really awesome piece coming out next week about like a really underread mark bright christopher pre-screen lantern run so yeah just lots of fun stuff and obviously the usual spots too and yeah just happy to be here with you talking about all this cool stuff catch our next episode on wednesday march 1st for uh, where we'll be covering episode seven of the last of us and remember we're bringing you two episodes a week wednesdays and fridays from your podcast platform of choice you'll find twice the deep dives twice the everything else Catch us here, Wednesdays and Fridays. And if you want to be perceiving us with your eyeballs as well as your That's ear right. holes, you can subscribe on YouTube, <laughs> where we are now posting full episodes of the show. We have our own channel, which is really cool. You can follow us on at XRVPod on Twitter. 
and check out the discord we're always talking about it because we're often in there a lot we have fun conversations ton of great fans we just hit 2000 members so it's a really rad place with a bunch of cool people who love talking about stuff and it's a really supportive place plus we learned in the discord that our listener blake got engaged last week and he Yay. shouted out the podcast. So thank you, Blake. Congrats. Congrats to you Congrats, and your fiance. Blake. Five star ratings, five star reviews. We need them. We got to have them. We're asking you for them. Here's one from Football Owner. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Stan Kroenke. Stan Kroenke, is that you? Great <laughs> chemistry and joy. Love the content the pod covers and especially love how much love and joy the hosts bring every week for art, each other, and their audience. Aww. They are both absolute experts at their craft and so fun to listen to. Every- Thank you, football Thank you. owner. Thank you, football owner. Appreciate you. X-Ray Vision is a Crooked Media production. The show is produced by Chris Lord and Saul Rubin. The show is executive produced by myself and Sandy Gerard. Our editing and sound design is by Vasilis Fotopoulos. Dylan Villanueva and Matt DeGroote provide video production support. Alex Relaford handles social media. Thank you, Brian Vasquez, for a theme music. See you next time. Bye. Chapter One. Wayfair welcomes you to the neighborhood. Our hero, Titus Burgess, ambled down the stylish street of an enchanting utopia. A woman waved from a chic lounger. Welcome to the neighborhood, she said, where Wayfair helps everyone create a home they love. Titus stared in awe. Bohemian Boulevard, Trendsetter Terrace, Mid-Century Circle. Titus, hmm? you're reading the Wayfair catalog. Oh, you'll love Chapter Two. Wayfair's fast and free shipping saves a potluck. Wayfair, every style, every home. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.